Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. On this, the 367th day of March 2020. Oh, yeah, it's 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 March uh, 2nd, 2021, and we're almost in a year of lockdown, at least here in California. And what a year, huh? What a year. Uh, it has se- been a year. It has or been, six. Uh, or, or 12. <laughs> or I don't even know anymore. Uh, Jim, again, can I join us tonight? He's still having internet issues. He's been, I saw him tweet to uh, Spectrum support about it. He, he's just having terrible internet issues. And we're not going to have Hunter for a while because he is moving to Ohio. Uh, and uh, his place is not going to be set up for a while. So it might be several weeks before we hear from Hunter again, which is sad. So we're, we're running, we're running a skeleton crew here. <laughs> it's like almost like like everything's on automation except for us on the bridge, basically. But uh, let's not self-destruct this thing, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Unless the Klingons invade. Unless the Klingons invade. Maybe. Get up! I'm so sorry. I don't know. My wife was out of the apartment, so I had the phone not silenced. Let me just turn that off. Okay, friends, we have a guest uh, joining us from all the way over in Pasadena, which is like, friends, that's like 45 minutes from me. It's like one of the closest guests we've had <laughs> to me, at least. <laughs> uh, we're, got, we're talking to Andrew Richardson, the developer of Power of Ten. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you, uh, folks. Uh, Power of Ten is a spacey roguelike where... Uh, yeah, you shoot stuff, but your primary goal is actually saving people, which is crazy. <laughs> like, who wants to save people? No, no, no. <laughs> so, 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 Andrew, where did uh, where did you get inspired to make this game? Like, when did us all start coming together? Uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of a story. I guess I'll uh, go through it. So, uh, I mean, the the inspiration comes from a lot of different sources. Um, oh, back in uh, the day when I was a kid, my family only had like a Mac to uh, for the whole family, so we had very limited choice in games, really. And one of those games that uh, I played when I was a little kid was Escape Velocity. I, you know that. what? As soon as you said Mac, I'm sorry to interrupt. As soon as you said Mac, I'm like, I wonder if he's going to go to Escape Velocity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole Ambrosia. Uh, oh yeah, like line of games. Um, I played because it was really old, the only good games that were available on Mac. Yeah, um, really. They're they're. Can I share a story as a side note? Yeah, real quick. In 1996, I worked at an electronics boutique. Remember them, everybody? And uh, and I was um, 23, so an a hole, a total. A hole, and one really nice family walks in, really nice, and they're like, "Do you have any games from for for Apple? You know, for Mac?" I laughed in their face, said, "Yeah, we might have an end cap or something. Come over here," and I showed them like Diablo and Marathon. That's pretty much all, and maybe Warcraft. I think that's all we had. <laughs> that was Mac compatible, and yeah. I was I was a dick, and and they just. They just left. They just gave me a horrible look and left. And I still regret that to this day. I still, still sad. Still really mad at myself 
for being such a dick. <laughs> so I totally understand what you're talking about. <laughs> there was not much yeah. back then for Mac. There was Escape Velocity. There was a, a marathon, the marathon games. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, not Bungie. Um, Blizzard put stuff. Blizzard would- was always really good at this. Back in the day, like everything was for Mac of Blizzard's line, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Warcraft and all that stuff. That was that was Mac. But yeah, Mac, like it's weird if you think about it. Like I think the Apples before Macs had more games like the Apple two and 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 the two and the two E and all that stuff. I think they had a bigger cadre of games than the Mac did, which is Weird if you think about it. <laughs> anyway, so back in the day, you had a Mac and you played um, Escape Velocity. Yeah, so I played Escape Velocity, even like the very original one. A lot of people remember like Nova as the as Escape Velocity, but like the the first Escape Velocity I played and Nova, and I made mods for um, the game because I was a big oh, wow. a big uh, community. Um, I think there was like they had some sort of editor for for the game, uh, which there's a lot of plugins and stuff. But uh, when fast forward to like a few years ago, um, I purchased a Switch, which is one of the first times I bought a console in a long time. And not, I've been a primarily uh, PC gamer for a while, but bought a console and I was like, there's really nothing like Escape Velocity or like good space sim ish games on the switch um at the time at least i still don't think there's really that much they're real I, I just got a switch myself um and i of course went through most of the library looking for like good racing games and good space games there is not i mean yes there's uh rebel galaxy outlaw and a couple other little things but there is not there's much on there. space uh, which which i tried i i Ooh. kind of I kind of got into it, but um, not usually. And then there, I haven't tried Rebel Galaxy in a lot, but I've heard I've heard good things about that. Oh, great on the PC. It it's, it's great on the PC. I haven't tried it on the Switch, but it's great on the PC. Um, but yeah, there are not a lot of space games on the Switch, which is sad. Like, just just give me like just port some things over from the GameCube days, man. Like like Rogue Squad yeah. and stuff. Like it's not uh-huh. it can't be that hard, you guys. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, so I, I was thinking like, why don't I just try to see if I can make one? And I honestly hadn't had any game development experience at that point, but I was like always kind of itching to try some of that. Um, so I picked up Game Maker Studio and got started with some tutorials and kind of fast forwards to now a little bit. Uh, that's, that was the the beginning of of this um and i picked up a lot of inspirations from a bunch of different games i was playing along the way uh i think the the inspiration for like saving people or having like kind of a secondary objective in some form was really from um into the breach that one was one that Mm. had that kind of twist on on your objective where it's not just about you living it's about like something some other thing living as well yeah, you got affecting um, human resources. As yeah, you say. yeah, don't let the buildings exactly. get destroyed. Yeah, like Which some got, people have described as like a more tower defensey, and I was like, oh, I never really made that connection. It is a little bit. Yeah, I can see that. It's very, it's, it's a little puzzly too. 
I, I can't. I have a hard time getting into it because anytime a building gets damaged or destroyed, I'm like, I feel horrible for anyone in there. I can't play this anymore. <laughs> Just I have this weird empathetic thing sometimes that prevents me from playing games like that. Like your game was doing that to me. I'm going to be a little honest with you. When you have that ticker that goes up of people lost, like yeah. Every, every time that went up, I was like, I felt like I was stabbed. You know, like oh god. I'm not doing my job. <laughs> Watching people play, they like get really, really concerned. And I'm like, you can lose a few people here and there. You're going to be fine. But people are very concerned about it. Very concerned. That's yeah. what we should be. <laughs> I mean, you can't save everyone, but you can damn well try. I'm going to try, yeah. damn it. <laughs> I'm going to try. Now, it's funny you bring up Game Maker because when we first played this, uh, the demo, it reminded us of another space rogue like that we really love called Interstellar Rogue. I don't know if you've played that one. Um, that is also made on Game Maker. <laughs> so that's ac- that's actually hilarious. Yeah. And and when I made that comparison about it on our Discord, I oh, said it as a total compliment. Huge compliment because we love that game. We love that game. Uh, so yeah, that is nothing but a compliment. <laughs> Nice. I'll have to check that one out. Oh, it's great. It is so, it's so good. But, but yeah, like that that explains so much. (laughs) Uh, So I don't know much about game maker. Why did, why, why choose game maker? Like instead of unity or something like why choose game maker? Did it, does it have a lower Um, barrier of entry than, than, than some of the others? I I think so. Uh, I honestly can't tell you for sure because I haven't done much comparison. But when I was kind of like, I was like, which one should I pick? Uh, as far as game engines go, uh, there was like all these comparisons online. I was looking, I was like, uh, I don't know what all this stuff really means. But Game Maker had a basically like drag and drop interface for uh, coding stuff, which honestly is is a good marketing tool. But it, you you use it for more than like two hours, and you need to not use it anymore because um, it's not that versatile but i think that really appealed is like i can get started with this without knowing too much code and then i can move into the code once i kind of understand the fundamental basics of what i'm doing here and that's kind of what happened so that was a good transition into um into it versus something else that's just like you just jump right into the code and you start making these things which felt overwhelming honestly at that at that point right How, how long have you been working on this um, I started in around May or so of 2019. Okay. Yeah. It feels, the demo feels very uh, mature, you know, very fleshed out. So that, that, re- that really explains it. Uh, yeah. It really feels like, I mean, I, if you didn't tell me it was a demo, I'd feel, I thought I'd be playing a finished product. You know, <laughs> it felt like all the gameplay was there. Uh, it wasn't the game's fault. I only lasted 15 minutes. You know, <laughs> I mean, it took me it took me a good 71 hours or so or 71 minutes or so to complete the demo. Uh, but I managed to save, you know, I mean, I didn't get a screenshot, but I did manage to save everybody or mostly everybody. That's pretty good. Nice. That's that's pretty damn good. And, yeah, and I, I actually just read a, a review on the demo on Steam that was like, this is probably worth $5 alone. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, that is feel like wow. it's already worth something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, I, if you had told, if you had, not, if you had not told me this is a demo and this is a finished product, I would have believed you. 
like I said, because it just, it really feels mature. And there's, there's, I, I love how much is going on here. Like it looks like at first blush, it just looks like a simple shooter, but it's, it's clearly not. Cause not only do you have the whole saving mechanic, uh, but you need resources to do that. And one thing I love about the resource model you have in your game is that uh, you don't have to use the resources to build like you. So each plant you want to save as a planetary shield and use the resources to basically turn on the shield. But you don't have to do that. You could also use the resources to upgrade and beef up your own ship instead if you feel that's a better use of your resources. So it's this really moment to moment risk reward thing where do I want to spend this here or do I want to spend this here? And it really goes in line with, you know, gaming is a series of interesting choices. Uh, well, at least it should be. And, um, and you seem to have done a really good job of giving the player uh and you and the choices come pretty quickly. Like, do I go? I have to go save this planet. Oh, I have this upgrade. I have this like random buff. Oh, I have to go trade these resources. You know, it's it's very active. Uh, I so I have to really, uh, <laughs> I really have to uh, commend you on that. Thank you. But yeah, I, I, that was kind of the intention behind. Well, that, that definitely intentional as far as like. Some of my inspiration has come from other roguelikes that play with that risk reward factor of like, do I do this thing and punish myself now or and maybe say, do something better later? Or do I take the immediate advantage and kind of like, because um, I need it right now kind of stuff. And, and one thing I love about your game also is the tension uh, that you've kind of built into it because you have a system that you have to protect and every so often planets will come under attack and they're a little like these little jump gates that can move you around the system, but they might not take you exactly where you need to go. Uh, it's kind of like a bus stop. So, <laughs> so like there are moments where like you're racing to get to this plant that's under attack, uh, before they kill even more people. And, and like, you can't do a damn thing about it. And it's just really tense. Like, come on, so I, I really, it's like, I really got invested. <laughs> I have to admit, I really got invested in the trials of this procedurally generated solar system. That's good to hear that, that specific mechanic with um, like warp gates, not being necessarily by the planets you have to protect was actually a suggestion from somebody in discord that joined a lot or like what played one of the really early versions um and i was like they're like i think your procedurally generation stuff needs some work because it's really easy to just get to where you need to go because everything's conveniently located right by the planet um and i was like oh yeah i could i could change that so that those wharf gates are not actually just conveniently located right by the planet you can save um which adds to that tension of like do i save this planet first or this planet first because this one doesn't have a wharf gate next to it but this one does. Uh, so um, I, that, that was a really good suggestion from, from my early players. That is a great suggestion. Yeah. I, I learned that pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. When I was playing, okay, these are the ones that don't have gates near them. Get those first. And then if you're needing to travel around the network, 
to save someone, at least you have the network available. If you lose a planet, if a planet, now what happens when you lose a planet or can you lose a planet? Can a planet be uh, lost? Like can all the people on it be killed? Yep. Oh, shh. Okay. I mean, that's basically what happens. They all die. <laughs> oh, great. But do you lose that warp gate when you, when the planet is lost? Uh, no, the warp gate still stay active. You just oh, don't get any rewards from that. Planet you should lose that warp gate. When the, you should lose that warp gate. That is interesting. Yeah, if you lose that plan, you lose that warp gate. I think that would be kind of I, awesome. I also am making some stuff in the full full game where um, I want to add like more planetary defenses around certain planets, so there some some might have ways to defend defend themselves um, in some limited capacity. They still need your help to power up the shield, but they might be able to defend themselves uh, for some time. So you have to kind of judge if you want to save the one with like a turret that's defending itself or if you want to save the one that's really far out that can't doesn't have any defenses or if you want to get this one that's close by those kind of things is what i want to play with with the full game and so certain planets when you save them they give you certain they give you bonuses is that is that, is that what you said yeah they'll drop the 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 crates the loot crates oh usually. those right 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 yeah they'll drop the <laughs> microtransaction crates yeah <laughs> it would crates. be interesting to see that that uh, as far as defenses go say it has an orbital turret around it and the orbital turret is active as long as the shield is not activated but when the shield is activated the turret will be inside the shield and so it can't fire out anymore so maybe you want to leave a planet mm. just an idea, but maybe you want to leave a planet a little bit so it can help you take out stuff and then you put the shield up. Oh, that's an interesting yeah. thought. There I think, may be something that will destroy shields as well in the full game. Oh no. Yeah, I, in, in the demo right now, just so people know when, when a planet is protected by a shield, it is completely protected. And you can, once you've put shields around all the inhabited planets in the system, you can move on because there's, there won't be any more attacks against them. Oh man. So a, a game will have multiple systems. Cause I, I think I was only able to go to one or two, uh, like, but you can go back and forth between different systems. Is that the idea? No, you can already I do think... that in the demo, Brian. Oh, you can kind of, you can't really go back right now. Oh. I don't think you will ever really be able to go back necessarily. Uh, once you've like completed a system, you probably will move forward beyond that one. But the first demo is basically one region, so to speak, with a group of systems within that. And once you've kind of once you've completed that region, you'll move on to the next one. And currently, I have planned three regions where you can, you kind of start at the beginning of or the center of a universe um, where it's most densely populated, and you move out towards the less densely populated regions. And kind of the more eerie areas of of space where something bad is happening, um, and as you as you do that, it's basically the same same core gameplay play loop. But uh, each region will have their own uh, specific mechanics in some form. Um, like maybe there's stuff stuff in that region that destroys shields, or um, there's certain 
aliens that will chase you potentially uh, throughout the, the solar systems. Um, so they'll have their own unique mechanics for each region. Oh, nice. And I also like that there are just like civilian traders around so you could trade resources and, you know, or buy resources even. Um, I really kill them. Can you kill them? You can. Yeah. Oh, Oh, all right. Well, uh, I didn't even, I didn't even think of doing that. (laughs) (laughs) There was one event where I, where I got to one ship, it was sitting out in space and they said, Hey, uh, can you bring these, these people to this planet? I did that. And then I went over, delivered the, the people went back to the ship and then the dialogue was still there. Can you, you know, bring these people over. So I ended up destroying the ship just to see what would happen. <laughs> there was no one left on the ship. I mean, there was no civilians left to save. So I figured, okay, fine. See what happens. Yeah. You can, the, so the ones that actually trade for, for uh, like weapons and um, other and like minerals and stuff, you can actually kill those and something happens, something both good and bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> This was this came about because I actually just put the game because I saw people when I was watching them play, they were they would shoot at them and like try to kill them, not knowing they weren't enemies. Um, so I was like, what if I just made something happen when they killed those guys? Um, so it's added a unique me- unique mechanic for the, those specific scenarios. Now, is it is it like all just do the the save the planets or will there be like quests that pop up or there'll be random events that make things more difficult or easier as you go. The, the core loop will be like the saving planets throughout the whole game. Um, there, the things that I've tried to do as far as like side quests are, uh, like Spaz says that, that guy that, that, uh, ship that you come across that has, they're running out of oxygen. Uh, you have to take them to a nearby planet. There'll be little things like that uh, scattered throughout. Um, there's one thing I've worked on recently, which was um, sometimes you'll find like structures, which are kind of ancient structures, uh, just floating in space that you'll have to like kind of do a little puzzle solving and mm. something good will happen because of that. Um, so I'm trying to intersperse a lot of variety of uh, tasks that can can help you or maybe hurt you um, throughout your doing saving these planets um, and that whole journey. Okay, that sounds fun. Yeah, I hope the people don't complain about your puzzles like they did about Everspace 2's puzzles. I don't know if you saw that, but like Everspace 2 has some puzzles. They're, they're very they're very straightforward puzzles, and they don't happen all all the pl- all the time. But people are like really angry about them. Like, oh really? Yeah, and they're totally optional. Like you don't have to do them, like at all. You get neat stuff if you do, and they're usually pretty fun. Usually, it has something to do with like this. This generator makes an energy ball. Grab this energy ball and fly through this wreckage and deliver the energy ball to the thing that needs energy, and it opens a door. And there's a chest, and there's some stuff. It's it's never like that complicated. It just takes a bit uh-huh. of skill to fly through the wreckage, uh, but. People were angry. <laughs> like, why? I mean, so many space games are inherently puzzles. Did you play TIE Fighter? Did you play X-Wing? <laughs> puzzles. 
yeah. I can't I can't speak to that specifically. I think my puzzles are on a much simpler level. Most of the puzzle part will be basically finding them. Um that's really the the key. And then actually solving the puzzle will be probably pretty simple. But finding them and they will be pretty rare, uh, I hope, so that when you find them, it'll be kind of exciting that it's a rare thing that you've found and can will, solve. Will they like not show up on the map or something? You'll have to like come across them. Um, I don't know about that. I might use I'm I'm thinking there might be several things that show up on maps in later system that are kind of just like you don't know what this is. It's kind of just a space where there's something, but you don't know what it is. Um Ooh, so they have like to go that. there and and fi- figure out what that thing is. And sometimes it could just be like an asteroid field, but other times it might be some special trader or like some a- ancient device thing. Make it like a kind of a blinky, shimmery dot on the ra- on the map, kind of like they yeah. did in Free Space Two. And I don't. Did you play? Free, I don't know. Did you play Free Space Two? Um, I don't think so. I think that's one people recommend to me. Fair it's, amount. It's an amazing game, but there's a point where you fly in a nebula, and you have a radar because you're a fighter, and like all you know about what's coming are these like kind of blinking, shimmering dots. They're like they're blinking, and they're like coming through a haze like a like a mirage type thing like in the desert so like you're not exactly sure what they are and you're not exactly sure where they are but like something's there and it's really creepy but uh, and you don't know what it is yet but that's what i envision like something on the map like kind of this shimmery like dot like something's out here you should go look at it <laughs> yeah not that we're here to give you ideas all day but what, as you talk i'm like wow i mean like, i love them <laughs> as you talk you know, like, it could wow, also be, be great it could also be something like uh you have an event to save some civilians and then when you get them to their destination safely they might give you a clue hey you might want to check this out they don't know what's there but it's just pointing out a, a point of interest that you didn't have before oh kind of like the bartenders in rebel galaxy outlaw a little bit yeah 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 but but it's a, hey, you saved us. Uh, maybe this information will help you. It might be nothing. It could just be a rumor. Oh, you go then, to there and there may be nothing there. And then, but, you, yeah, but those those things only pop up after you talk to them. And after you talk to them, then the thing pops up on the map. Yeah, exactly. Ah. So it gives you an, an extra incentive to try to do these things. That might be a little challenging, might take you out of your way. If you trade, <sighs> trade with some trader and then they give you a hint um, about something that's happening in the in the galaxy, in that specific system. Yeah, or, or, or even that a fragment of it. So you might hear uh, a, a fragment of a rumor. And if you have enough pieces of that rumor, you can put it together and know exactly where to go. Or a treasure map. In in the yeah vein of a treasure map, but it, thinking in terms of rumors that, hey, I heard something about this, but I don't know where. And then someone might say, I know about this thing, but I don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. And then so, you put those two and two together, and hey, you got something. Early on with that, so I had that quest, the side little thing where you find a ship and it's disabled, and you got to save the people. Early on, I had built a whole system where, like, if you get close to it, it's you, your radar starts pinging, and you, as you get closer, it's, it pings, pings more and more, and you can like kind of echolocate essentially it. But I took that out because it was really super annoying when you didn't know what it was. Um, it would just be pinging all the time and it was really hard to figure out, oh. but I think that's like a, actually a better 
evolution of that idea of like you want to give some clue as to how people can figure this stuff out but not like reveal it entirely um what i ended up doing was basically making trails of debris from the planet to the uh like desolated ship oh ship that's kind of like too. give a indication that there's something out there but um yeah that's uh, definitely sounds like an interesting idea to give hints from npcs or something like that Oh man, <laughs> these are all great ideas. They make that make me want to like play the full game with all this stuff in it now. <laughs> <laughs> so who are the bad guys? Like I don't like what is the lore of this game? Like who are the bad guys and why are they trying to kill everybody? It's a good question. Um, <laughs> I do have like very loose lore, uh, <laughs> but uh, um. I just to set expectations on like story. There's like the release of this game probably won't have a ton more story than what you see here. Uh, I think I want to integrate some more, but honestly, the story is almost an afterthought, and it kind of evolved from just watching people play the game as far as the mechanics go. Um, I have named the bad guys now. They are called Dead Eyes. Uh, that might give you some clue, but although a small clue of like kind of what, who they are, I won't say more than that necessarily, because I think that's one of the mysteries that I want to kind of explore is who are these, who, who is this that's attacking? Oh, and why are they doing it? that's an interesting thing. Like you don't know, maybe you don't know who they are at first and, and the further you go, the more you learn about them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that was it's kind of what I'm hoping is. I have a reason for why they're attacking and hopefully the final encounter that I'm planning will uh, reveal a little bit of why that is the case. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I kind of like that. Like hearkening back to free space too. You, you never really learn that much about your main enemy. They're, they're, they're just like these creepy, like, like you never, you hardly ever see them. Like you just see their ships, which are just creepy, these black and red things. And, uh, and that kind of makes it more interesting. Uh, you do learn some things, but for the most part, it's like, it's like, oh no, who are these guys? So yeah, that mystery can be very compelling. Yeah, Uh, I, I kind of took some inspiration from like um the expanse there where like the the Uh. politics of of um the humans are are there but then there's some sort of ominous unknown threat um that's kind of bubbling at the edge of the of uh the galaxy so to speak um and it will be revealed more and more what that is as you go along I got to get caught up on the show. I'm all caught up in the books, but I got to get all caught up on the show. Keep forgetting to do that. First, actually, I just, we just finished the last related season. I'm getting, working through the second book now. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You, you, have, you have a, you have quite a road ahead of you with the books. Cause <laughs> they are, they are big. They are big yeah. books. And there's a lot in them that didn't make it into the show. And the show is a bit different on its own too. Um, which is not a bad thing. I appreciate thing. that it's a, that it's not a direct one to one adaptation because 
that means there's still surprises for those watching. Yeah, and not only that, but like there are certain places the books go that I don't know they could take the show. Fair. <laughs> like there's a whole. Okay, I won't say anything else. Uh, I shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on book two. <laughs> yeah, you're only on book two. Uh, I think the next one's going to be the last one. I think they're planning on wrapping it up, which. Uh, yeah. Like I think nine or something like that. Yeah, I think book nine, which which I think is okay. You know, I th- I think you know. I mean, it's gonna be sad to see it go, but you know, go out on your go out on your terms. You know, that's that's how I like it. <laughs> yeah. But no, the expanse is really also great inspiration, because like, what is the proto molecule? <laughs> we we we. I mean, even with you don't really know. <laughs> you don't really like what is it? It's, it's the MacGuffin. oh man um so that's also excellent inspiration uh cannot complain about that one (laughs) so i i didn't get uh, as you might see in the video i didn't i never made it that far i think i made it to the second system and and then i got killed but i was wondering because i didn't notice this in the demo at least is there any kind of like like meta progression, like between runs or there any like, like, is there going to be like a thing where, Oh, you can, you collected these many resources, you get to buff something for your next run or something like that. Like, is there anything like kind of like rogue legacy, you know, is there anything there like ships, that? Brian. Oh, it's the ships. What do you mean? Uh, when you find ships that are derelict, you can uh-huh. spend resources to repair them, take them over. And then, you'll be able to start as a chip in a future run. But but one thing I really appreciate, I got to mention this because not many games do this. When you find the ship, you can take it over during the middle of the run and even switch during the middle of the run, which is something that not many games allow you to do. I mean, some of them, they let you unlock a new ship, but you have to wait until the beginning of the next run before you can start it. Yeah, so that's... That's a direct escape velocity like inspiration. That's definitely like a, a thing you could do in escape velocity is like disable a ship and then board it and then take it over. I and mean, you could also come across disabled ships and board it and take it over. And I wanted to put that in. And then I and then somebody actually mentioned that like there's not really a reason once you unlock them, because I, I initially had them just be like the same ship. You just swapped the parts essentially. Um but somebody mentioned that there's not much reason to take them over once you unlock them all. And so I added uh, them having kind of random stats. So you could like recover health or switch weapons based on the ship that you recovered, um, which helped to give us some longevity, I think. Yeah, there were times where I had one health left or one armor left. And found a new ship and switched over to that because, well, <laughs> that extended my run a little bit. Yeah, I think that's fun. Like, I feel like it's fun to switch it up in the middle of a run. It's uh, getting a new ship is always fun. Like, er- er- anytime. That is always a good time. How many ships do you have in the game so far that you can fly? So there's seven in the game right now. I'm planning for eight. Um, uh, so one more before uh, I release for early access. Um, and then I, I hope to get like, maybe uh, we'll see where, where it goes from there, but 
I'm hoping maybe a dozen by the time I actually release. Hopefully, maybe. Okay, that's Sleep. a good. That's a good. I'm amount. trying to. I'm trying to make sure that the abilities are uh, fairly unique to each other, so I don't have like a lot of overlap in like the purpose of abilities. So, which is hard to make a lot, a lot of variety with uniqueness of the ability. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I well, think there's I- plenty of variety right now. As far as every ship that I played, yeah, lots of variety. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I think that I'm pretty happy with the uniqueness of each one's ability, um, but I'm a little worried about being able to make a lot more that have, that feel like they have unique abilities that are different from the other ships, because I feel like I've almost covered the archetypes, but I think I have a few more ideas. One thing I might want to do is like do a stealth ship in some form where you can cloak a little while from um enemies detection or um yeah stuff like that oh okay that sounds fun <laughs> yeah i in in my run that i recorded today uh f- to play in the background i ran to another ship uh which was quite Good. different than the uh one i had started with and uh, I, I really did appreciate that. I, I really did. I really did like that. And I like that. It was just sitting there uh, waiting for me to take it back if I wanted it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and one fun thing you can do is if you have a, your main ship that you prefer is damaged and you find another one, switch over to it. And if you can find a trader that sells uh, armor repair, switch back and then go get your armor repair. Oh, really? Huh. So you could stick with that ship if you really wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. That is that storytelling like that you just did there was like available in a game that I made because <laughs> it's like really exciting for me. It's it's emergent gameplay. And that's what makes for good storytelling. Yeah. Oh, so so yeah. I didn't realize the ships were the uh, the um, persistent thing that stuck with you between. That makes sense. I like that. Yeah, I th- I think there's a couple. So I don't think I want to do much power progression um, between runs, other than like unlocking new ships. But I do. I, I have some ideas for. Um, kind of more accessible mode where uh, I want to do something similar to Hades where they had God mode and every time you lose, essentially the game gets a little bit easier um, so that people can kind of experience the uh, the whole story eventually and not get like stuck in one spot. Mm. But I also want to do something that is a little bit like um, just made a progression on kind of a visual level. Like what, what I want to do is have different color swaps for ships. Uh, so you can have uh, different color palettes for the, your, whatever ship you want that you can unlock as you play the game. And I might do some, I might put some like specific weapons behind um, just like experience gain as you play the game um, so that I can start out with like a smaller set of, weapons that you can kind of learn easily on and then introduce uh the 
more difficult and like trickier weapons over time as as players kind of progress. Yeah, how many weapons are there? Because like in my few runs, I've seen laser guns and I've seen shotguns and I've seen a bunch of a few different things, but like they're they're very different. Like how many? Yeah, I think I have close to forty right now, but Oof. I'm planning on definitely having like at least maybe 50 by the time I do early access release and hopefully more I'm aiming for like basically enter the gungeon level where there's just so many weapons. You can probably never experience all of them unless you play this game for 20 for 200 hours. God, that game has a ton of guns in it and enter the gungeon. Dear Lord. (laughs) That's another good inspiration. I I just had a really silly idea, but it might actually work here. Go for it. Love ideas Uh, for your meta progression could be based on the number of cumulative civilians saved. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. True. Um, yeah, probably do like something like how many you saved. And then uh, like, if you complete a region, you get a bonus. Um, and if you complete, however many regions you complete, you get a bonus um, on on top of that. I kind of want to encourage people to like play through runs and not just like restart if they get, a bad run so helping giving some sort of the end of the first or um each each milestone helps to do that right maybe it gives you a a multiplier so yeah you know if you if you reach say uh the end of the first uh the first major sector you've completed that that's another um you know it has 0.5 uh to your score uh for every civilian saved uh, and then it might go up to say three times if you've gone all the way to the end. So it really gives you a a good reason to ramp that up. But of course, you can always increase the numbers of of what is required uh, exponentially. Get those unlocks. You know, spend spend a good uh, ten twenty hours just just going for unlocks if you really want to. But you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping to front load some of the like weapon unlocks, hopefully, and then after that it'll mostly be like unlocking new color palettes for your ship um in various combinations. Is there gonna be like a scoreboard as well? Like, you know, how many you saved, how many you lost, you know? Yeah, I, I do have plans to have kind of a like they have a very rough uh scoreboard, not scoreboard, leaderboard, but um just like a end run screen, which has kind of the stats and stuff and a leaderboard would be a lot of fun. I kind of want to do, I, I haven't, I'm not committing to this, but I kind of want to do a daily run kind of thing where oh, um, yes. you have a leaderboard for a daily run. Uh, and the, the daily run maybe has a different mechanic that's attached to the run for that day. I've become addicted to games with daily runs on them. That is like my thing now. Like if I have time, I have I have been going through like all these games and finding games with like daily runs on them. So if I have time, I can do a few of them every day. It's yeah, freaking great. It, it, make, it gives a lot of longevity to those games. It does, and it makes it makes choosing what to play on a specific day easier. Like I don't know what to play today. Oh, I haven't done my daily run of this. I'll go play that. Yeah, you know. So I'm all for the daily run. I think it's a fabulous idea. <laughs> So when are you planning on putting this into early access? Like, I know you have the demo now, but when can people actually give you money for this? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I'm still, um, I'm still thinking it's going to be sometime in the first half of this year. Um, I am scoping out what's going to actually go into early access and trying to complete that. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, people might find surprising is that as of like maybe December or so, I, I, I just had the demo. Like that was it. That was that was all the content I had. <laughs> and so I I have only recently started really expanding that. Um, so I'm I'm considering what I can actually honestly release for early access and what I feel comfortable with like calling this is something that people can actually pay for now. Mm. Um, uh, and and not I I don't want to disappoint people there because I know no, the demo had a fair amount of content and I feel like there's some expectation that there's going to be that amount of content exponentially increased but it, it might be a little bit less than that. Yeah, we we uh, early access is a funny thing. Uh so you definitely want to do it right. <laughs> uh so I totally, I totally don't blame you for taking the time to figure out how to do that. Because um, so many games don't do it right. And then you see them crash and burn. And then... Yeah, it, it, go ahead, Ryan. No, I was going to say, the next thing you know... Oh, like I saw one game that I've had on my wish list forever recently. Uh, I never bought it because it didn't look that finished. And... Uh, and and it, it wasn't a great price. And so they're like, oh, we're never working on this again. Uh, we're gonna re- we're gonna have a ninety percent sale, and then take it off Steam. The hell are you doing then? <laughs> like, 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 how did that happen? You know. Yeah, I was going to cool. say that it's it's better to delay the mm-hmm. early access release. Yeah, get as much as you can into it before you put it out there, so that when you are done. When, when you hit 1.0, then you've made it very clear that this is what the early access phase was going to be. That's done. This is 1.0. And then, hey, if I can add more content on top of that, great. But uh, it's better to delay than to try to push something out well before it's baked. Yeah. Yeah. But again, this demo... Yeah. Like someone just mentioned in the chat, Joe Blow, which is a great name. Um, he also said the demo seems like a full game. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a really encouraging. I, I think the reason why that is the case is, is honestly because that the feedback loop I had while working on the demo, and that's one of the reasons I want to get into early access fairly soon. It, it, like being able to release something and then get immediate feedback on that specific thing is is so valuable to like me as a developer um because i can really hone that stuff and like i said already a bunch of times in this i've I've made multiple changes to the game based on what people say it um about the demo and stuff throughout its life and so that whole feedback loop is incredibly valuable and right now i don't really have that so i'm kind of flying blind so to speak but um i definitely appreciate it it's like People people want to have a full product when early access hits. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have like something that's a half baked. Right. Right. And typically, with an early access release, people will want a game that can actually be completed, even if 
there's more yeah. polishing to be done. Uh, they can at least get a game started and then get it to completion to a completion point. That's really what I'm trying to do is, is like book in things is like right now I'm working on tutorial, which the game kind of has, but it's like really weak. And <laughs> I'm doing an actual tutorial where you actually learn things. Um, and then a, the final encounter at the end of the game. And, and that will kind of book in things really well. And then I can sprinkle in the mechanics for the other regions and stuff like that throughout the um, other parts. Uh, and that should feel fairly, fairly good as, as far as a game package goes, I hope. Now you put your demo out during the, uh, the, the, that festival, what was the festival called? Um, the demo festival. Was it, was it the winter festival? Or, or the, no, no, no. It was like, yeah, yeah. I saw it during the winter festival initially. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it was a de- it was one of the it was Steam's demo festivals, right? If, am I yeah. recalling that correctly? How did yeah. that? Go- how did that? How did you find that? How did that go for you? Did you get a lot of good feedback from that? Because I find oh, them, yeah, I find was- those demo festivals a bit overwhelming as a player. But apparently, I've heard it's yeah. very valuable for a developer. Yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I went from I, I basically three times my wish list numbers on during the festival oh my god which was great and i mean you guys reached out to me which is awesome like honestly i think half the wish lists on my game right now are just from the festival um alone wow no wonder steam keeps doing yeah they're incredibly valuable i think because my my game really hasn't well marketing and visibility are really the biggest um, barriers for indie developers or somebody oh, yeah. who's just starting out like me. Oh my god! Yes. So being able to have my game right there on like the second page of Steam, essentially, is enormous. Like that's huge for me. I have to say that's one of their best ideas in a long time. Um, like, a, like as a player, like I said, I find it overwhelming because it's like, oh, here's a thousand demos. I'm like, I'm just gonna run away now. But uh, <laughs> there's no way I can crack that. Um, but at the same time, like I've had other developers tell me that those demo festivals are just fantastic for feedback and visibility. So I kind of hope they do more of them, despite how anxious they make me feel. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, one thing I've, I've found interesting is that when those come out and streamers cover the games in the demo, uh, in the demo festival, uh, the wish lists have to be much, much increased at that point because mm, well, it's a good point. There's so much more exposure. Um, so yeah, yeah, I definitely had a couple um, people who I was eyeing for um, keys to give out for a release um, that picked up the demo and played it without me prompting them or anything. It was oh, wow. great, um, and uh, those are. Beyond just the wish list, it's, those are really valuable because I can just watch people play and get their initial thoughts, and that's even more valuable than the wish list, really, because that feedback is um, that's direct feedback. Incredible, yeah. I can't I can't get anything better than that because I can't get that from myself. Essentially, right. I can't get that from somebody coming to Discord and saying this blah blah. blah this is how I like the game because they're not saying the things that they're feeling exactly at the time that they're feeling them. Oh, that's a good point. Really good point. I, I'm helping Playtate test this like really old game to bring it to Steam. 
and the developer loves my videos for the same reason because I stream it every week. And he says he, he gets so much feedback. He gets so much good feedback just from watching my videos. Uh, it's so valuable. Videos. Yeah. So that's awesome that you didn't even have to reach out to these people you already had in mind. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because I, I was like when they first did one of these demo festivals, I'm like, what the hell is this? But then, but then uh, from developers, I kept hearing just how valuable it was for them. Uh, and so, I mean, Steam yeah. is, Steam does mostly, excuse my language, a very shitty job of discoverability. They are awful with it. <laughs> uh, they've tried mm. putting, they've tried putting it in the hands of, of fans with the curator thing. Um, but that can only go so far. And yeah, the curator thing seems a little bit half baked, but yeah, tough. I mean, it. For, I mean, I. It. A lot of people follow my curator page, and I appreciate it. And it's it's a great way to get people to know to find out about games. But at the same time, I know people who refuse to follow any curators because you have some curators that treat it like a joke, and and that actually upsets people. And so like they refuse to follow any curators and it's just a weird system because you, you, you can't put all that how you can't put all that advertising in one place. You got to spread it out. You got, I mean, it has to, the platform has to do something, you know, you can't just put it in the hands of curators. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, that's why the demo festivals work. That's what I'm saying. Because, it's like yeah, they they throw so many demos out there. The 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 shotgun effect actually does have an effect. I mean, that's uh, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm surprised yeah. that they've come up with something that actually works because for years, like they had green light for a while, and that was interesting. I that guess that was a nightmare. I will tell you. Oh, was it being being going through? It was yeah, because going through night going through that nightmare was you put your game out there. And you hope people vote on it. Okay, well, they, they vote on it. They, they say they want it on Steam. But even if you did, you wouldn't know whether or not Steam was going to approve it. And that was a pain. <laughs> going through that was a pain. Because it was a waiting game. So, so why would Steam not approve a game that was voted on? Well, it's, it's that there were, there were games that went through... Uh, I have screenshots from when we were putting Quintet through green light and just, you know, you'd see the numbers go up and you'd see how many people were wishlisting it and, and how many people would take it off of their wish list, And you'd see the numbers go up and down, but there, there are some games that they had a lot fewer votes than we did at the time and they would still get approved. And so we would be waiting. There were ones that just blew up with numbers and they would get approved within a few weeks. And that was great for them. But again, it was a waiting game and you couldn't, you couldn't know who was going to get approved because the, the process seemed arcane. Um, you, you wondered whether or not you were going to have to get a million, you know, people voting it up and goat sacrifices would have to be involved and uh, <laughs> some sort of, um, other human sacrifice, so these sorts of things you never really knew whether or not we were get approved. You were just waiting. 
Yeah, I, mean, I totally missed that whole greenlight process. I'm, sounds like I'm like, glad I, I did. Yeah, it wasn't really yeah. great for us users either because it was like really this, if you became a fan of something, it was like this weird limbo because you'd never be sure if it would make it, you know? So in a way, what they've done is better in some ways because now just, just about anybody can get on Steam, which in a way is great. But also in a way, there's a hundred new games every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah seven, you, eight thousand games every year. Yeah. How do um, you filter through all that? Exactly. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean that there are the percentages of uh, not great games to really great games. That's probably about the same, I would say, uh, from years past. But finding them, that's a lot harder. And and influ and and you have streamers that that help and and whatnot, but like streamers can only do so much. So I don't. I'll, I'll be honest. I don't envy anyone trying to make an indie game. It's it's a very brave endeavor, <laughs> and that's why yeah. we try. That's why we try to be so supportive here of um, uh, of developers like you because like it. I I could not. I'm I'm not a programmer for one thing, but even if I was, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could. It's it takes balls. Excuse. Okay, it takes guts. It takes chutzpah <laughs> uh, to uh, <laughs> to because uh, because a game is like an extension of your soul, and and putting it out there is uh, dangerous, you know. So. I got nothing but love for anyone who uh, I got nothing but love for anyone who tries to go through the process because damn, (laughs) I, there are, there are so few ways in which everything can go right. And so many ways in which everything can go wrong. Exactly. (laughs) And so much of it is out of your control. (laughs) Exactly. Sure. I feel pretty fortunate that my, I guess my, career outside of gaming has somewhat prepared me for some of that. I went to art school. So I, oh. <laughs> I, uh, got a lot of, like, I got used to like public criticism essentially very quickly. Oh, that's um, good. That's basically all you do is you put yourself up on the walls and people just like take it apart. Um, yeah, that's and, then, exactly. yeah. and then I worked as a designer. And so I, I'm used to like putting stuff out there and having people say stuff about it. Um, whether good or bad. Um, and so I've de- developed somewhat of a thick skin, obviously like not when it has is impervious to, sure. to criticism, but <laughs> yeah. Did you make the art for power of 10 here? Yeah. Yeah. i made, um, most of it. I, some of it I adapted slightly from other assets that were free, but I think 95% of it I made. It's got a, it, I have to admit it has a great look to it. And in, it is a, I, I, one. I think my favorite little thing about it is um, you have asteroids that you shoot, but is it parallax scrolling? Is that what it's called? Where you have like their asteroids like above you or something where they're like transparent they're as you fly they're closer to you. Yeah. They're closer to the camera as it were. They're closer to me. And so like the ship that I'm controlling flies quote unquote under them. So you get this nice little transparent effect. Kind of I I I just love a little thing like that. 
Yeah. Uh, so you had asked before the we started this about the, the name um, mm. of right. the game, and and right. that kind of ties in. So Power of Ten uh, was mostly came from the video that the, is on YouTube. You can just Google it, Power of Ten. But essentially, like it goes in. It starts at like a level of a human being on or a family having a picnic um, on like a lawn or something like that. And it zooms out like 10 feet and then zooms out like 100 feet. So it powers of 10 of each of those. And it kind of goes all the way up to the universe size. And then it goes back into the molecular size. Um, and what I wanted to like convey was with power by calling a power of 10 as well as like kind of theme of the game is this kind of zooming in and out of, of these aspects. So um, everything from saving the civilians who are on the planets to like the depth of, of the universe itself of like having these really far off aspects and then having these really close up aspects visually and stuff um, all kind of comes back to that theme loosely. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. That's that's a good explanation too. The video is great. You should definitely go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's uh, I have, very. I have very not. Spacey. Could, could you link? Maybe link it in um in the Discord. Like in the, there's a there's a there's a um there's a stream chat channel, and if you link it there, guys, if he links it there, it'll go out to the other places, right? If he puts a link yeah. in there, okay, yeah, restream yeah. will get it. Uh, yeah, we have a little, we have a great little bot that lets the chat, uh, all the chats talk to each other. Um, okay. Very handy. So I think if you put a link in there, like uh, Spaz said, it'll go out to everybody. Because um, that does sound like something I would want to watch. <laughs> uh, thank you. Done. Ah. Wow, 1977. Yeah, it's really old, but it's it's incredible. It's not very long. It's just like a quick zoom in and zoom out but it's a uh, really great what that oh in nine minutes that's not long at all oh i see yeah i'm gonna watch this later <laughs> i already <laughs> put it in my browser it is waiting for me to watch um so uh to to sum up because we got to start wrapping up to sum up you plan on having this in early access in the first half of this year that's your plan. Yeah, that's my aim okay. right now. Right. But folks, right now, uh, if you're unaware, you can play the demo of this game uh, freely on Steam. And it is a great demo. Like, oh, one thing I wanted to also give you props for is your uh, your controls. Like, flying around just feels great. It really yes. does. It, it, nice. feels, yeah. it feels very fast and visceral. The controls are really tight and responsive. Um yeah, so you did a, a lot of time just like prototyping that specific thing before I could get put any content in the game. Honestly, I played around with a bunch of different control schemes. That makes um, sense. That makes sense because you know that's what you're going to be spending most of your time doing, and that's what's going to get you yeah. through the game is a good control, good controls. Uh, that totally makes sense. So yeah, I, I forgot to mention that earlier, but man, it is, it is, it is. Like there are a few games that are this joyful to fly around. I think like this and maybe Interstellar Rogue and uh I don't know if you've excuse me, played thirty thirty Death War. Um that's another game where it's just kind of a joy to fly around. 
And that's what your game evokes as well. But well done there. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so again, folks, the game is called Power of Ten. You can get the demo now on Steam. It is great. Uh, you'll probably come to the same conclusion as us. As us, this feels like a full game. Because uh, <laughs> really, t- <laughs> yeah, wish list it. Make sure you wish list it. Wish lists are very important, you guys. Very important. That tells the developer a lot. Uh, so wish. It's also a nice little ego boost, you know. So if you like a thing, wish list it. Um, especially this. Uh, so uh, tomorrow on the stream, if I can get my but out of bed like I couldn't today. Uh, I'm going to try this Victory at Sea uh, game. It's a Civil War naval combat game, which I played the tutorial of, and it was tough, complicated. Um, and then Thursday, what are we? We're playing Vulcanoids on Thursday for our land party. Uh, yes, we are. Yeah, we're returning to Vulcanoids for our land party, our Thursday multiplayer land party, because they just had a huge update. Uh, which apparently made the weapons better and everything. Um, so I'm very excited about that. Then next week on the show, uh, we're going to welcome the developer of Infinite Fleet, which is a space MMO where you can spend real money to buy ships and whatnot. Um, so that's going to be interesting to talk about. <laughs> uh so, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, coming on and talking to us about your game. It's been great learning yeah, more you. about it. And I am just, I, I want the full version now. I can just, I, I, will fa- I, I will fail at this a lot, but I'm fine with that because it's just, it's one of those games. It's like when I failed today, I was like, okay, that I, I, I couldn't be mad. It's like, all right. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good game. That's a good game. You don't want to cool. fa- you don't want to feel like you failed because of the game being unfair or something. But that was not your game, so I really enjoyed it. Um, Music so- to my ears. <laughs> so again, folks, Power of Ten. Go wishlist it. Go play the demo. You will probably be enamored of it as we are, and we will see you back here hopefully tomorrow <laughs> if I can get up in time. Uh, have a great one, y'all. Thanks for watching and listening. Bye bye.